church. My name is David McMinn and I'm the pastor of Rockbridge and it's a great joy to be with you today. Uh, we continue our sermon series on the idea that Jesus was sent into our world. We talked about how Jesus was sent to reconcile us to God, to restore the relationship. Then we talked about how Jesus sets us free, that he breaks the chains of sin and death and the shackles that they had on our life. And then last week we talked about that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And today we're talking about that this God, this Jesus that we serve is so powerful that he gives us new life. You know, there's a song and it's so popular. Mary, did you know? I think you're all familiar with it. I have a good buddy who really does not like the song because he says the, the song should be, uh, the answer to Mary, did you know? The answer should be yes. <laughs> yes, Mary did know that who her son was. But even Mary, and, and if you read in Luke, Mary has this beautiful hymn, right? This beautiful thing that she says about her son. But I think even Mary, when she gave birth to her son Jesus, of course she knew Jesus was special. Of course she knew that something unique and wonderful was going on. But even Mary could not quite know exactly who Jesus was going to be, right? Even Mary did not understand the complete mission that he would come to save us all and give us new life. So that's what we're talking about today, is that Jesus came to give us new life. I find our world is in need of hope. Hope is by far one of the most important things. Without hope, we feel lost. And when we face the difficulties of our day-to-day -day life, it feels like there cannot be anything better. And nothing provides hope like knowing that Jesus is in our world. This is a time of year, and while it can be chaotic and busy, that it's a season of joy. It's a season of gathering with friends and celebrating together. I, I don't know how many Christmas parties that you guys went to this week. I think I went to five or six. <laughs> it's a season of celebration with our families. I think most of us will probably get together with our loved ones over the next few days, or, or some of us have gotten over, together with our loved ones over the past weekend, and it's a time to get together with those we love, both our families that were given to us and our chosen families, right? Because many of us have families that we have chosen to say, you're a part of my family. And so there's this great sense of joy and hope in all that God is doing in the world. And part of that is Jesus bringing new life. We first experience that new life, that regeneration with Christ, when we say yes to the awesomeness of who God is and this relationship that we're offered. But then oftentimes, and I know most of you who have followed Jesus for a time in your life, you know that life has its peaks and its valleys, right? And oftentimes as we slide into those valleys, we need a new experience of the new life that Jesus gives us. One of the wonderful things about celebrating the birth of Christ every year is because it reminds us that Christ is always offering new life. Christ is always offering hope. Christ is always offering peace if we will just seek it. And then what we find is when we experience that hope that God has sent us into the world, that's the second part of being sent, that God has sent us into the world to be the hope to be the light, and to share the good news that Jesus brings life. 
Our first scripture, we're going to look at a couple different scriptures today, but our first scripture comes from John. This is the, the powerful scripture that begins the book of John, the gospel of John. John doesn't have a birth narrative uh, that, that tells us about the actual what happened to Jesus in his first few years, but he does powerfully share about Jesus coming into the world. And this is, this is part of what he says. So John chapter 1, starting with verse 9. The true light that shines on all people was coming into the world. The light was in the world, and the world came into being through the light, but the world didn't recognize the light. Now, this reminds us that Jesus, that all things were created. We believe in Colossians, it tells us that all things are held together by Jesus. So everything that was created was created through the light, but the world did not recognize the light. Now, now hear what, what the author of John is telling us is that when God came into the world, when the incarnation of who God is came into the world, the world did not recognize God because God represents something very different than who we are as humans. We as humans are self-focused. God tells us to be other-focused. We as humans tend to be greedy and, and we want to focus on our family and our tribe and people who are like us. God calls us to be sacrificial. We are often mean and horrible to one another, and Jesus calls us to be kind and gentle and courageous and loving to the world. So the world didn't recognize the light because the light calls us to being something different. When you think about light and dark, and you you shine a bright light in a dark room, right? You can see the difference between the light and the dark. Jesus brought something so different into the world that people were not expecting it. The, the Jewish people, as we've talked about many times, were not expecting someone who would come and die on a cross. They were expecting someone to put on a suit of armor, grab a sword, hop on a horse, and defeat their enemies. Because that's how we as humans tend to want to solve our problems. But rather, God solved our problems by taking all of the pain and the suffering on himself. Now think about that. God, who really owes us nothing, right? We're the ones who walked away from God. God chose to give us the one thing that mattered most to him, and that was his very own son in sacrificial love. The light came in the world, but the world did not recognize the light. The light came to his own people, and his own people did not welcome him. And this is our key passage for today. But those who did welcome him, those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood, nor from human passion or desire, but born from God. The word became flesh and made his home among us. We have seen his glory, glory like that of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. So what is the truth that we hear in the scripture today, but those who did welcome him, Those who believed in his name, he authorized to become God's children, born not from blood, nor human desire or passion, but born from God. So as we talk about new life, this is is the promise, this is the gift. Josh sang about being redeemed, right? The band led us in that song. What does it mean to be redeemed? Part of that is that we are given new life. We are not the same person that we were before. Before we were enslaved to sin, before we, we focused on ourselves, we were inward focused. But when we have new life, we're really the same person. We have the same personality, but we're new and we're different. And people can tell that we're different because we started to focus less about ourselves and more about those around us. 
as we are given new life. We're, when we say yes to God, we are saved, right? But that doesn't just mean we, we get our eternal ticket out of here, but that we are then brought into God's purposes and God's plan to be a light here and now in our communities, in our families, in our neighbors, at work, with every single person that we meet. What does that look like? What does it look like to, to have new life? How is it different than it was before, right? What, what is different about us when we've been breathed this new life? The prophet Ezekiel has a powerful passage. And now, originally, this passage that we're about to read was written about the people of Israel. But I think as he talks about what it's like to, have, to give new life to the people of Israel, we can read it and hear what it's like for us to have new life in Jesus Christ. Starting in 37, you see Ezekiel is taken to this valley, and he looks over the valley, and there's all these bones everywhere. This is kind of a gruesome scene, right? It's just a valley full of bones. Now, now just picture that in your mind for a second. God takes you up to a, a, a mountain peak, and you look down, and all you see are bones. Kind of creepy, right? Kind of, kind of disturbing. And this is, this is what happens He asked me, human one, can these bones live again? Now, I think we'd be tempted to say, uh, no, they're bones, right? Or maybe, you know, we want to be the teacher's pet and we want to tell God, yes, God, surely they can, right? But Ezekiel responds, I think, in a really powerful way. I said, Lord God, only you know. Lord God, only you know. He said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the Lord's word. The Lord proclaims to these bones, I'm about to put breath in you and you will live again. I will put sinews on you, place flesh on you and cover you with skin. When I put breath in you, you come to life and you will know that I am Lord. I prophesied just as I was commanded and there was a great noise as I was prophesying. Now listen just kind of to the description here. And maybe you can see it in your own mind's eye. And the bones came together bone by bone. When I looked, suddenly there were sinews on them. The flesh appeared, and they were covered with skin, but there was still no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, human one. Say to the breath, the Lord God proclaims, come from the four winds, breathe. Breathe into these dead bodies and let them live. I prophesied just as he commanded me, and when the breath entered them, they came to life, stood on their feet in an extraordinary large company. This metaphor for us, this vision that Ezekiel saw, is us. This is us, church. We are like the dry bones. That's what it's like to exist in this world without God, the very breath of God. Now, if you you remember back to the story of Adam and Eve, So that they would have life, God literally breathes the breath of God into them, the Holy Spirit, and it it gives them life. But because of sin, we have walked away from God, and it has caused death to enter our lives, right? We find brokenness and pain, not just on ourselves, but on others that we have hurt because of our sin. And so we are the valley of dry bones laying there, and then... There's the prophecy that they come together and life comes into them, but they still need the breath of life. What does it mean to have new life in Jesus? It means that you have had the Holy Spirit breathe back into you. 
When Jesus said, I came, when, it, when John talks about he came and he dwelt among them, the idea is, uh, the word that, that is literally there is he came and he made tabernacle. He built a giant tent and dwelt among them, right? Well, now, now that Jesus has gone back to heaven to be with God, we are given the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit literally lives within us. It animates us. It gives us power. It gives us energy. When we worship together and you feel that stirring inside your gut, right? You know what I'm talking about? That little, you, it kind of feels like emotion, but you know it's something more than that. That is the Holy Spirit within you. Because as we gather in this place, God is here. God is present. And so as we have new life, we can recognize God in our midst. So what does it mean to be given new life in Jesus? You, you were the dry bones. We were the dry, we were that valley of dry bones. We have been given flesh and God has breathed into us and given us life. Now, that doesn't mean that just because at one point we had it all together, right? Following Jesus is difficult. Day in and day out, we have to make a decision moment by moment, interaction by interaction. We have to make a decision to choose to serve God. And for whatever reason, we all have come apart or come to those periods in our life where decision after decision, we have walked away from God. We have entered into a valley of the dry bones once again. And we need new life breathed into us. This happens to all of us because we're human and we make mistakes. But thank God for forgiveness and thank God that, that God is constantly willing to bring new life back into us. The last part of this is that we, as the church, are called to bring new life into the world We are God's messengers. We're the angels that are going to the world. Did you know angel literally means messenger? We are the messengers of God. We are angels to the people around us because we are the bearers of this good news that God is bringing new life today. Just as he did 2,000 years ago, God is bringing new life once again. And this is what we're offering to people. But so often, we would just prefer that God would do it without us, right? We prefer, God, you just act miraculously. We'll just stand back and watch. And so often, that's where the church gets caught up. In the book, Sense, that uh, these sermons are based on, the pastor who wrote this chapter was sharing that as as she was a pastor of a local church, the church was kind of descending in that place where in a few years, it probably wouldn't exist anymore. And they were starting to reflect on on what they would do. And, And she had this quote, and I think it is incredibly powerful. She said, sometimes I want God to do something amazing and miraculous in the church, but I want God to do it without me. God, make it happen, but don't expect me to give my blood, sweat, and tears. But God doesn't let us off the hook any more than he did Ezekiel. God worked through Ezekiel to bring the bones back to life, and he expects the same of us. Don't get me wrong, of course God can do it without us. God doesn't have to have us, but God chooses to use us. And so it requires us to get off of our seats and to go in the world and to be this messenger of the good news. One of the great Christmas hymns of all time is Go Tell It on the Mountain. You probably know it. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Now, you may not know that that 
song, that hymn, is an African-American spiritual hymn that they sang when, when we enslaved black people in this country, right? So this was one of the things that a hope to people who were literally enslaved, and they would sing this song about a hope of a God who would save them. And shortly after slavery ended, uh, there was Fisk University, and they were about to close because they didn't have enough money. And so this group, the Fisk Jubilee Singers, went around the country and started doing these concerts to raise money. But what really transformed it is when they started to sing the, the spirituals of their parents and their grandparents, the spiritual songs that the slaves sang when they were in bondage. And it brought those songs to life, especially this Go Tell It on the Mountain. And this was one of the songs that saved a university, that allowed them to raise money, that new life came through a university, that had provided life for people who were enslaved. And it reminds us that Moses, right? Moses was God's instrument to deliver people from slavery. Jesus, one of the things that he does is he delivers us from slavery and gives us new life. And in the moment, these, this song, this, this African-American spiritual brought life to people in bondage. The theologian, Dr. James Cone, says this. The Conquering King, this is from a couple of friends of mine wrote this book, Hope is Found. Um, and it's, it's wonderful. They sent it to me and it's, I've just really enjoyed it. And I read this in the devotional this week. The conquering king and the crucified Lord has come to bring peace and justice to the dispossessed of the land. That is why the slave wanted to go tell it on the mountains. Church, imagine many of you today sitting in this room have experienced new life. You've experienced that liberation from the slavery to sin. And now it's our job to go tell it on the mountain. And maybe in this place, you're in a place where you want to know more. Maybe you haven't experienced new life. There's no better than today to ask Jesus into your life to say, I want to experience of that new life. It's the greatest gift. It's the greatest thing I can tell you about. It's the most wonderful thing that you can experience. All you have to do is just pray out to God, to cry out to Jesus and say, I want to experience that life. And the response is the same for each and every one of us this Christmas season to go tell it on the mountain that Jesus the Christ is born. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.